You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep Spencer Israel. Here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick, it is an M&A kind of day today, a lot of M&A headlines. Three deals going through, one deal not going through, uh, Novartis and the Medicines Company, Schwab and TD Ameritrade, Tiffany's, those deals all look good to go. HPQ moving to reject the latest offer from Xerox. We'll talk through all these headlines, the implications of them. On the show today, some other headlines as well. Uber, uh, big move down this morning, losing their license in London. London, we'll talk about that. Tesla up on some pre-order data uh, and some earnings to discuss if we have time for uh, later in the week, today after the bell and, and tomorrow. Uh, our guest today is uh, Sean uh, Emery. He's the founder and CIO of Avery & Company. He will join us at 8.35 to uh, talk about the stocks on his radar, what he's bullish and bearish on for the rest of the year. Uh, in the meantime, Joel, what's the word here overnight? Uh, we got some nice green, Spencer, trading up six and a quarter handles at 31.17.75. Strong close on Friday, higher open, pre-market high, 21 and a quarter. That's right there with our all-time closing high of 21.75. That's our first target on the upside. All-time high up from Tuesday at 32.50. Crude in the red by eight cents at 57.69. You have gold in the red by 510 at 14. 58 and a half. You have silver back under 17, down a dime at 1690. And Bitcoin, well, I guess the good news is it's back in the 7,000 handle. Uh, the bad news is it dipped to 6,500 overnight. 6,000 shares or 6,000 contracts have traded. Volume picking up in Bitcoin ahead of the Thursday Thanksgiving trading session. We could talk about that more with Spencer when we bring him on. Uh, but some green on the screen, Triple D. Um, how you doing? A very fast market. Okay. Well, so for two reasons: one, 
is that I slept in, which I don't normally do, but I did. And two is that I've got a ton of positions on that and one very bad position. Which do you want us? Do you want to? Uh, I'm good. We'll talk. We're, talk. we're, we're going to talk. But you, I was trying to work out of some garbage here. So anyways, continuing on. What's uh, M&A Monday? What's up? Yeah, we, it is definitely M&A Monday. So let's start with the biggest gainer this morning on my uh, up filter here on on, on Benson and Pearl. That's MDCO, the medicines company. They are getting acquired here this morning by Novartis for eighty-five dollars a share. That brings the total value of the deal to seven or around around seven billion dollars. Is this the new thing, Joel? That the acquirers don't go down much anymore because we've seen this <laughs> on the last few deals. And you know, we can talk about synergies, obviously, with Schwab and Meritrade. But it was another deal in there uh, last week or a week and yep. a half ago where the acquirer didn't go down much. And now we come in here and we see Novartis, which obviously our price discovery has already happened because it's trading over in Europe actively, yep. not down at all, paying a huge premium for MDCO. So it seems like this market is not punishing the acquirers as much as they were two, two, you know, two months ago. And uh, this must have been rumored last week, right? Because I'm looking at the MDCO chart and you were trading around $60. Remember, you had a bump from $51.98 to $58.65 up to $70. So there, I just don't remember talking about this last no, week. No, no, we didn't. We didn't. But it had to be in the news, though. It, it was. Do that. It, it, it was in the news and Novartis declined comment. So, hmm. well, I will say, I mean, uh, the Novartis, I see it's trading down only 26 cents. Sometimes there's a little bit of a delayed reaction too, right? So, I mean, we're saying. Not, yeah, but we got to go back. This is an ADR. So it's not about a delayed reaction. This is already actively traded in Europe for the last five hours. So unless you think of the day it did that the reaction is going to be in days later, this has already almost done its trading day. So I would agree with that point if this wasn't an ADR, but because NVS is an ADR, we are actively trading in Europe. We're in a nickel market here right now. I mean, price discovery has already happened on this. All right. Well, then maybe you see my point on that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I, when I, before I was saying that I was thinking that it was an ADR, but I'm just thinking too, well, we'll see. I mean, it's just, I know we're looking for immediate reaction here. And certainly there was a good reaction uh, to the Schwab from it. So it's definitely broke with trend here. I guess the only thing that I could say is that with this MDCO, if you're looking at the Schwab Ameritrade deal at all, <clears throat> the getting was good when that deal was first announced. And that has been a consistent trend. You could have sold AMTD that morning for what, 51, 52 bucks. So, you know, if you're looking at this merger and you think someone else is going to acquire it or there's going to be, uh, you know, something else, just the trend has been, these things have been popped and then, you know, uh, it takes a little while to come, you know, for something else to happen. That's my only comments on that. It's actually, uh, Novartis is technically an ADS, which is a little bit different, but same thing. Same concept. But basically, yeah. if, you're in the con if you're newer to the show and you're in the conversation for the first time, you're wondering what we're talking about. So uh, there is obviously companies over in Europe that trade as American depository yep. receipts over here in the U.S., they're just chasing the European price over here. There's a few, like if you go to Alibaba and you see, obviously, Baba is now listed over in Hong Kong. So maybe it's a different story, but it wasn't listed over there. This was the primary market for Alibaba, despite it being an ADR. The U.S. is not the primary market for Novartis. It is simply just chasing the price over in Europe because that is a major company over in Europe. Europe is the primary market. So we are chasing price. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you come in at 8 o'clock in the morning, 
well, Europe's open five hours ago, so it's already kind of had its price discovery when everybody was sleeping over here. So that's, you know, what we're talking about when we talk about the ADRs versus, um, you know, just regular stocks trading over here. And the difference real quick on an ADR versus an ADS is an ADR is actually uh, the R stands for receipt and it's a, a, a uh, depository bank creates these receipts and they're based on underlying so underlying stocks and you trade those receipts and ads is the actual underlying stock it's just a, it's a technicality it's really sort of semantics but they trade the same way adrs and ads uh dennis i do have some good news for you uh, yeah, this I, need uh, I know you need it so we have the tda schwab deal right that is an all stock transaction i know you like those nice so that's gonna give me something to trade because exactly. i do miss my sal jane bristol myers big so here, time already so, so here you go 26 billion dollars is the value of the yeah. deal the ratio yeah schwab, schwab is to pay td ameritrade 1.0837 i like that schwab shares for every tda share so if you're worried about the 1.0837, what they try to do is equate the prices. So now you're going to trade percent for percent, which is not a bad deal too. I mean, today is different because obviously you have to do the adjustment for the deal. But going forward here, these stocks are going to probably trade very close percent for percent. So that's all you need to know. Ameritrade's got Schwab's up 1%. Ameritrade will be up 1% after today. This doesn't include today because you have the risk garbs that are repricing. And usually I will let two, three days settle for the risk garbs to really kind of feel where they want to price it. And then I jump in as, as an inefficiency trader. And if that ratio gets a little bit out, I will jump in. And I will jump in that thing for, for you know, 10, 20 cents. So if, you know, whatever reason, maybe stock opens weird or closes weird, or maybe there's just some inefficiency during the day, then I jump in those things. So I traded at Salgene Bristol-Myers, I would say three to four times a week at least. When I used to do risk garb, um, and before high-frequency trading was dominant, I would be trading these things, you know, hundreds of times a day. But that, for the most part, is dominated by HFT, the, the daily fluctuations. You just get little inefficiency, sometimes at the open, sometimes at the close, and you know, sometimes if there's a, a, a big move in the overall market quickly. Other than that, it's hard to just sit there and trade it and day trade it, for instance. So I'm glad we got another deal. I'm glad the deal is done. What's uh, the response from E-Trade here? E-Trade's trading down slightly. IBKR trading up slightly. Again, I don't understand why those two stocks are going in opposite directions, but again, I haven't understood a lot about you know why Schwab why Schwab attacked Ameritrade before the deal anyway. So it's it's done. So at least we have closure here. Oh, what's going on? We got major movement, major, major, major movement. We got a little pop here. Well, not major, but it feels major because there's no volatility anymore. <laughs> Talk to me. I, I was going to say, Brad, I, I Brad Dennis is turning into me. Spoo's moved three. I points. know. What's going on? What's going on? Brad, Brad is he's immune to it now. He's just kind of like uh, he a little bit of movement anyway. Yeah, little, we got a little pop. What's interesting here, and this is just from a trading point setup, we're trading near the lows of the session. I mean, I know we're up six and a half, or we we're up six and a half. We're up five and three quarters. We opened at nineteen. So if you're looking at it from the perspective, you know we're weak. <laughs> we're up five seventy five, but we're weak. We're leaning on the lows of the pre market session. We got a little gap to fill down to fourteen fifty. So just trying to hold support here. Uh, that pre market low, as I said, is sixteen fifty. Nothing major going on in that. I, I still don't know what to shake of this. Uh, think of this Schwab TD Ameritrade deal. I'm trying to get my hands around it. I, I don't think it's good for anybody else. I obviously the streets already voiced its opinion on E Trade. 
I don't know what these uh, commission-free houses are thinking about this, Weeble and uh, Robinhood. I can't imagine it being good for them. No, no. No. So I don't know. It's, maybe it's good for Schwab and TD Ameritrade and nobody else. Well, that's probably it. I mean, now you're looking who's going to be the suitor to come in the ETFC. I know on Fast Money they were talking that there probably is going to be another suitor, and they were talking potentially about buying the pullback. I'm not sure that's the case. It, it, maybe there Ooh. is. Maybe there is out there. Well, there's a lot of brokers out there. So, you know, maybe, so you want to go full serv- maybe one of the full service brokers them. want to buy E-Trade. Yeah, Vanguard could buy them. Or Vanguard yeah, it could go, has, yeah, there could be you know, a, a ton of potential right. suitors so out there. So many. There's tons of potential suitors out there. But do they want it? Do they want to buy something, you know, just for, obviously you're not getting commission structure anymore, but do you want to be buying something for, uh, you know, the deposits and for payment for order flow? I'm not sure. So my logic would think that this business is not as good when they had the 695 trade, now that they don't have it. But, you know, that was proven wrong when Schwab got taken, which took over Ameritrade. So I don't know. I'm still grasping everything on these deals. Uh, Baron says it's good for Schwab. But uh, it is. There's oh, no yeah. doubt the synergies are there. We talked about this. I still don't understand why Schwab made the big move to knock them down and then buy them. Unless they just thought that we needed to do this so that we could acquire them because maybe they didn't want to get acquired otherwise. Maybe that's what it was. But you know, I, there's a lot, a lot of things happening behind the scenes on this. You know, but first they attack a month earlier. They attack the business model and then they acquire the company. So maybe they're just trying to knock it down so they could get it at a good price. You could say that too. But I, I find it hard to think that they knew nothing about this a month ago, and this just all got cooked up in the last three weeks. Pretty impressive M&A, you know, to, to, to do it all in three weeks. Quickly, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, we don't know. Maybe we'll never know. And I, and I think that, uh, I think that the, um, the Barron's thing is just, you know, Wall Street, you know, liking Wall Street. You know, Wall, you know New York liking, you know, the old older brand as opposed to the new upstart company. So I just, uh, keeping it in the old boys network, I think is why Barron's likes it. There's still going to be like, maybe there will be some consolidation in the, in the trading app space, like for Webulls and the Robin Hoods, but there, there is still a place for those companies at the, at the table, right? There is still a place for, for a, a Robin Hood, for example, or, or a Webull, for example, there always will be, because those, those are the, the companies that go after the, the five dollar accounts, right? The hundred dollar accounts that Schwab and TDA just don't care, don't about, care about, right? Yep. Yeah. Robinhood does, Webull does, right? So yeah. the average Webull account is, I think, less than three thousand dollars, right? So different, different right. target market, exactly. right? Okay, let's move on here. Third M and A deal. Yeah, we got one more. Uh, Tiffany, this one looks official this morning. Speaking of uh, ADRs, we've got uh, Louis Vuitton. They're an ADR. LVMUI is the ticker for Louis Vuitton. They're acquiring Tiffany and company for 135 bucks a share. Values Tiffany at $16 billion. That's all. And you know what? We were on the show. I called this one right to the dollar. You did. You did. Yeah, I said last week, I was like, you know, if you're thinking you get 150, 145, I think you, you're wrong. I think it's going to go off the board. I said, I even threw out the number 135. You did. It just sounded like a good number. They must have thought it sounded like a good number too. So call this right on the number. I was just analyzing from risk reward perspective saying, hey, you got maybe, you know, 10 bucks upside at 125, but if yep. the deal falls apart, you'd be back down $95, say so 30 points of downside if the deal didn't happen. I didn't like that risk reward. I was just kind of, I, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I thought it was fairly priced. That's why I made no trade on it. But now you look, 132.58. So risk garbs are pricing in obviously the time of value of the deal. That's an all cash deal, Spencer? 
Oh, um, let me look real fast. I believe it's the bus a little bit. Yeah, I believe it is. It, it, it's trading like an all cash deal. Yeah, yeah, it's an all cash deal. Okay, so there you go. Two two dollars and forty cents for a risk the deal doesn't go through, and obviously time for time value money. And I don't see anybody else coming in wanting to do cash it. deals suck for me. There's nothing to trade here. So that's it's priced in. I mean, you want to try to go in there and get a nickel or a dime, sure, or you think you're, you know, a risk garb and you're just gonna sit on that for the two dollars and forty cents, go ahead. But you know, my money's worth more than sitting there for months trying to pick up the last two dollars and forty cents. So I move on on that one. Nothing more to say. While we're on uh, the topic though, why not look at MOV here, Movado? I haven't looked at that. You think somebody while. might come in and start scooping up another not, one of these I'm companies? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying just just look at the chart. Nice candle on Friday. I will say that if you're just looking candle to candle, I mean that's still not a pretty chart overall. I mean you go with the weekly stocks and the clear downtrend stocks been obviously punished here um, over the course of the last year. I will say a little double bottom in place of 2325, 2336, and a decimal laden world. We'll say that's a double bottom. Closed up, closed near the highs. I like all that. So on a pullback here, if I was to go along this, I would lean out and be leaning on that 23 and a quarter low. Do not want to see it below that. But, you know, these trades, that's what it's all about. Setting up a risk-reward ratio here. You risk yourself, if you were to pick it up in the 24-18 area, risk yourself a buck. Saying that, hey, maybe, you know, this is going to show some life because maybe other people might think somebody's sniffing around. Uh, a long, a long losing streak with a couple small updates, so it has turned around uh, flat in the pre-market trading. I'd say where's a bunch of highs in the same area? Maybe over uh, one, two. What do we got here? One, two, three, four, five highs. Let's call it twenty-four sixty-five. That was even Friday's high. So above twenty-four sixty-five, you're clearing some uh, like four or five levels since mid-November. This is a lighter traded stock here, 200,000 shares traded on Friday. So don't get too big in this one because you might have nowhere to go here. But uh, I like it 24, six, over 24.65 for a breakout. All right. One more deal here this morning. Another this, deal? Well, this one is not going through, but this is the HPQ Xerox deal. And a report from Bloomberg that HP is preparing to reject Xerox's latest offer. We knew this, and that's why the market is not even responding at all. Because, you know, okay, Xerox is trading down on the on the news. It's actually offered down at thirty eight forty. So maybe they're like, okay, well, they're just rejecting. They're not going to spin and acquire us. So anybody who is banking on that is maybe going to be nervous. So I expect a little pressure in Xerox. HPQ doesn't really care. I mean, it already gave back, you know, the bulk of what they were going to get for that premium and. You know what the HPQ business, you look at it here and it's not that bad. So like, I mean, obviously it's not a growth in business, but it's not really declining either. It's just kind of steady. So they think they can just do it without them. So I, I was uh, nervous. I sold my HPQ. So I was nervous. They might go buy Xerox. I don't want that to happen. I'm still nervous. That could potentially happen. And that's why I don't want to own HPQ here, but you know, Xerox is probably going to be down this. One thing I believe I read over the weekend, HPQ wanted to see Xerox books. They wanted to check the financial house. They did. In and I mean, they why would No. So if yeah. you know that, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Why? 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 Tell, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, that they want to check their books. Why isn't that a good sign? If you're doing oh, a deal with somebody, no, you're not going to no, check no, their no. books. No, he's no saying, he's that saying, they wouldn't show them to them. Oh, that they wouldn't show them. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I thought you, I thought you meant that they wanted to check the books. I mean, I'd like to. Check no, them. no, no, no. <laughs> I think no. I mean, I think right yeah. there, that's the first question you'd be asking, and you'd want some answers to it. What good is it? If, you know, that to me, that's why I, it's a negative for Xerox. I don't know 
how it's going to be moving forward, how the stock got initial pop off that, just holding on. Boy, oh boy, you got some major resistance here in Xerox at uh, what, 39 and a half. You hit that several times. So, I don't know. Better bust into the 40 handle soon. We're going down to that. Back. It's offered at 38.40. Best okay. bid's way down at 37.39. So, we're going like to be it. down on this news. It makes sense that it would be down. I mean, people have been speculating that HPQ is going to flip the script and go buy them. That's why Xerox has been up on this. I remember oh, initially, you know, Xerox, and then they reported that, you know, it was coming out of Fox that, hey, this, you know, could go the other way even. And that's when Xerox started catching a bit. So if HPQ is just out, I mean, there's no bid coming for Xerox. You could see this thing back down the 37 handle. That's my thoughts. Uh, Dion, I think H it's down today. I, I don't think it's down. I think it's down big. How a $3 billion company buys a $10 billion. billion. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah, you got to think about that too. I mean, you're gonna have to have major loans to do that, and the dynamics too. I mean, that's what HPQ is scratching their heads as well. I think, um, and that's why they want to see the books. I mean, how, how are you doing this? Talk to us, because you know we obviously are, are okay on our own here. So you're gonna come acquire us with what money? We want to see the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. All right, so let's talk uh, Tesla, Dennis. So you you pre-ordered a Cybertruck, huh? You want to get here's a here's my and obviously Tesla's up twelve points this morning because the orders were pretty good. That is what they're saying. But what I what you were saying already is why you had to put a hundred bucks down to order this thing. Refundable. Were they and refundable hundred dollars? Were they taking orders prior to the truck? You know this uh, being shown. Because I'll tell you something, <laughs> and me and my wife talked about this. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. We talked about you know buying a Tesla. My buddy just bought a Tesla. I was like, I want to see the truck. If the truck's cool, I might actually like buy the truck. And because I like I, I like you know the, that performance Model Three is a nice car, but I'm a truck guy. I was like, if it looks pretty cool, I'm gonna buy it. I would not touch that with a ten foot pole. So you know you could have people like me that were like, I'm interested. I'll throw a hundred bucks down. And then now I see it. I was like, I'm not interested. I don't know. I'm not sure if they took. That's what I'm trying to find out. I never. I don't. Really I don't believe it. so. Did they take orders before the truck was actually, um, you know, before the release party? I, you know, I, I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, I don't know. But, but I asked I, that on Twitter I, last night too. I, and I, don't I don't think, think it matters. I, I mean, how many? But it does matter because if those numbers were prior. There could be some cancellations of those numbers. Well, well, even so, though, how many of, the, of these two hundred thousand people are actually going to buy this truck? Like ten percent. Well, no, I got to think it's more than that. You wouldn't put a hundred. You wouldn't if you're not interested. You aren't put money down. Really? Why, bother? why really? are you just going to throw money down for fun? You're going to throw a hundred dollars down. Refundable. It's, it's, yeah, it's, refundable. it's refundable. Why wouldn't you? you buy, how many things do you buy that are refundable? This is like going into a store, buying something. Well, I can return it in nine days. Well, no, days. you're just getting yourself on on the list. So if the time comes in five years when Tesla's making enough trucks for you to get yours. If you still want it, you're there. And if not, I think it's more than 10%. I think it's a, okay. a, chunk, a good chunk of them. But I just don't know if they were taking orders before. Because I'm really disappointed. I talked to my one buddy, Matt, last night about this a long time. Um, and he he thinks it's horrible looking, too. I mean, it reminds me of the Aztec from GM that they had. I think we talked about this yeah, on the show, yeah, too. Yeah, we were talking about it, that. It's, 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 I think it actually looks awful. I think the stock was down 20 points, not because the windows blew out. I think the stock was down 20 points because the truck is ugly. So, not, and maybe some so people sure. are into that re ridiculous boxy, you know, army truck type futuristic Mars Rover look, <laughs> but not me. I'm not and so I think sure. the majority of the population is not into it. So I don't know what he was thinking. It looks like it if should I be can, on Mars. If I can, uh, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here for a second, please. Um, which is my favorite thing to do, but I'm not so sure it's that ugly. And, and here is why it's war you're warming up to it. 
no, no, not not really. But he, but he, I've seen enough examples of of new products being launched that that look so stupid or useless, but they end up being amazing and adopted by society. Do you, right? do you have an example I, of? That? Yes, I, I have several. Uh, the iPad. I thought the iPad was like the dumbest thing ever. It's just it's just a larger iPhone, right? And it does the same thing. iPads are huge. Uh, AirPods. AirPods. I thought we're going to be a massive failure. No, it, it, it's not really a, ugly though. They look like all the other ones. But I thought they look silly. Actually, I still think they look silly. But I, now I have my own pair, right? Um, I I have enough faith in in Elon Musk and people like him to think to to know that they know more about design than I do, and that they uh, that they can often these types of people can set the tone for future tastes, right? So maybe like this isn't a good looking truck today but in a few years like who knows right so i it, in it's 100 not, years it, it's not the most beautiful truck now but i also think that that my opinion on that means nothing right because i have enough faith in these in, in these designers to to know what i'm going to like in the future so i don't think it, it is as ugly I, i'm not as like I'm not on that train. I'm not. Uh, I'm not hating this this Cybertruck as much as everyone else because I I believe that they know what they're doing. No, I'm not. Like I don't love Tesla as a company or anything, but I think that when it comes to designing a car or in this case a truck, that they know more about that than I do. So I'm willing to like just go with them on this. I'm just gonna go with them, and and trust that they know what they're doing when it comes to designing a truck. Right. I am fully on the ugly train. I am aboard riding the ugly train. And I will say as much as I think the short-term top is in it in Tesla. There's a nice triple top up there from the technicals of 360. Here we are getting half of the losses back overnight from just Friday. I think if you're long Tesla, it's been a nice run here. I think you sell it. That's my opinion. Um, I'm not in it but I think you got a level to lean on now, even if you're shorting up at 360. So setting up a trade, short 345, stop out if it makes new highs at like 361, you're risking 15 points, I like two to one risk reward. So I would want to cover it down at 315 if I was setting up that trade. But I think the easier money is now on the short side on Tesla. My opinion. I mean, it, and it, I've been it, bullish Tesla for a while. If you agree with the sentiment that Elon Musk is a visionary and uh, someone, I love Elon Musk. someone who sees the future, right? Then, then, then you can put your faith that he knows what he's doing when it comes to designing a truck. Right. I, so I, I don't think like that's the reason, like if you're, first of all, it's, it's not a huge market for this truck, right? It's a smaller market for this truck. If you think this truck is going to like sink the company, you're probably wrong. Definitely not. Right. But could um, this take some luster away from it? I mean, okay, the numbers, so the pre-order numbers are pretty good so far, but like you said, how many people are really going to buy it? I was very excited for this product. I think this could have been a product that catapulted I think the stock up to new all-time highs. I'm saying I don't think that now. Oh, I see. I think it still can be. What do they have? The four vehicles? How many have they got? What is it? The four? Yeah, they got the S, the three, the X, the Y, and the size. So I think this one sucks. So I'm just going to say it. You know, that's a technical term. I can use it. But I think this one sucks. And that's why I think the stock cools off for a bit. And it's been on a hell of a run. I mean, this is not sinking Tesla. This is not like, oh, yeah, we're, the zero is back on the table. The okay. zero is never on the table, in my opinion. That's why I wrote puts on it. Gets back under 300, I'll probably write long term puts on it again. But it's run 
a ridiculous amount here. It was a very good quarter, but again, like Mark Yusko has said, a few little accounting tricks to make those numbers appear better than they were. Uh, but you know, that's besides that. I think the truck's just ugly, and I think that the stock could cool off a bit here. All right, so yeah, it needs to cool off. To and I don't think they're going to get as many people buying that truck as you know they they say they are. I, well, I, yeah. I, I'm not ready to ride the truck off yet. Does it does it make a difference how many pre-orders they make if they can't deliver the cars and make them? <laughs> that's another question. They 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 figure that. That's out, the question. Though. I don't know. What do you mean? People are still wait. Well, first of all, that's the question for for like two years I'm, from now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not. I'm. Well, first of all, I'm not buying any cars anymore, so I'm not certainly not buying the Cybertruck. Um. I don't know. I mean, I, I, from Dennis, I like the way you're setting it up from the short side. I'll just say today's a real important day after that lacking yesterday. So if this, if this gives it back today, then it's going to be really bad news, really, really bad news from the stock. If, and I don't know if it's going to, it's still up 1231, but boy, oh boy, if, if it does give it back today from a technical perspective, this bounce means absolutely nothing. There is a volume, and I will probably get Disney Plus before I get this Cybertruck. That's all I have to say. I got Disney Plus, and I subscribed to it last week, and I watched all three episodes of The Mandalorian so far, and I tell you, it's awesome. So Disney, let's talk Disney here. It knew, is trading up. I knew up. you wanted to. I knew you the wanted trade to. worked. Again, the trade worked. It was the pre-event. It had a nice run on Friday ahead of the event. I don't like holding three events, but I held some anyways. Um, I've sold it this morning, so I'm out. I'm still long-term, so I had extra. So I still have the long-term in the retirement account, Disney. But I had extra on for a trade. I bought it just pre- a couple days ago just because of uh, the Frozen 2 event. I, I figured the Frozen 2 numbers are going to blow it away. They did. And stock's trading up because of it. Now, 150 is still the number. I mean, this is huge. Can it get through 150 today? Maybe, and maybe I'm going to trade it again. Right now, I've sold it already this morning because – um, you know, the response the to it's pretty good, but it, it's run up. It's, it, it had a little run up on Friday. Like you can see it ran most of the day on Friday and then it's up again here on the numbers. So I think that trades, yeah, the, the, the run up into the event trade is over. So it's time to sell. We so got it's couple, time to sell that for that reason, not time to sell it overall. Right. Got a couple good comments for you, Triple D. Uh, one, uh, Spinner wants to know, did you take the kids to Frozen 2 or go to the Grey Cup? <laughs> I did not go to the Grey Cup, and I did not go to Frozen Two. And, so I, uh, didn't, I did neither. And, and in the YouTube chat, um, Alex, big guy tweeter, he's always tweeting us. So he has an observation: when Triple D has a bad hair day, it is time to get really <laughs> bullish. It is the bad day hair indicator. That is which the is third or fourth comment I've saw from the chat about my hair. Is it really that bad? I, you know, I slept in. <laughs> I never do my hair, but I didn't even have any chance to do anything. I li- I slept in this morning. The kid, the girl was up. You know, get the two year old up. She's up at four o'clock. She's like kicking me in the head for two hours. I finally <laughs> fall back asleep at six. I wake up at seven thirty, and I'm like, uh oh, I am very very late at seven thirty because usually I'm at my desk at you know I'm at my desk before seven, and you know I'm already you know getting market knowledge at six thirty. So I'm quickly in seven thirty in bed trying to get you know the market knowledge, trying to get my head around what's happened here overnight. And trying to get the fog out from getting and, and the concussion from getting kicked in the head for the last three hours from the two year old. So that's where we're at. He said it's, it's, it's a bad hair day because my two year old made made it a bad hair day. Okay, and he says it's more reliable than the green green span. Dennis <laughs> <laughs> bad hair day. Yeah. indicator. and I also I want to just comment that what do you do? Like when you have the bad hair day, do you compensate with like a nice shirt? Instead of the t-shirt. That's what I thought this morning. I was like looking at myself. I'm looking kind of rough. 
maybe I'm going to have to actually go and uh, put on a nice shirt and that'll counter it. But it, I made it look bad. It's like when you do a remodel on your house and, you know, your house is, you know, maybe 30 years old and then you remodel the, the, the bathroom or something and you're like, wow, everything else looks really old now. <laughs> really, really looks bad. I guess the hair, maybe it's the shirt that's making the bad hair stand out. Because I'll tell you, I never do much with my hair. But again, slept in, so I didn't have a chance to do anything with it. Usually I pat it down a little bit, but it's kind of wild right now. So <laughs> bad hair day is fully on. That's okay. That's all right. We still, we, we're glad to have you here. Uh, 8.31. We've got a guest coming on. 8.32 coming on here in a few minutes. Who's Dot. guest? I don't even know who the guest is. <laughs> That's how little you pay attention during our, uh, our, our little... I, well, I wasn't there. I showed up two minutes before right, the show all started. Right, all right. Sean Emery is our guest today. Oh, yeah, Sean. And I love Sean. Yeah. I was excited for Sean. I knew he was coming. I didn't know it was today. Sean, yes, Sean. Yeah, so All you right. can uh, grab a brush and uh, be Sean knows the fundamentals well. So we're excited. Three minutes, we'll get you, Sean. Three, what do you want, what do you want to cover here? Uh, let, let's, do, let's do Uber. Got to talk to Uber here. Oh. Uh, Why don't you just uh, you make my bad hair day worse? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but it's down 4% here. Uh, I mean, this was a known event. I, I don't remember. Not a known event. Dennis didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. it. I was long. <laughs> Even though I said the thirty would run into trouble, oh, I was still long. I don't remember. I don't remember if we talked about it or not. But it was on, regardless. It was on our dock to discuss. We may not have gotten to it, but it uh, was. Stretcher had this on the dock. If you you knew this was dock, this event was coming. This vote thing. Yes, yes. Market didn't know about it. The market did know about it. Yes. Well, Every- why is it down four <sighs> percent? I think maybe so. So <laughs> they had a weekend here. They had the weekend to try to get their license renewed in London. Uh, couldn't do it, so their license to operate is has been suspended. They have, I think, 21 days uh, to appeal, during which time they're still allowed to operate. So Uber is still, as of this moment, operating in London, but it is their largest market in Europe, and this is now the second time they're going to have to go in front of um, regulators and, and, and essentially plead their case. All right. I was long it overnight from Friday. I don't know why I was long it, but I was. I mean, I get a lot of the different positions on. I can't even remember the rationale behind the trade on Friday, but I was long <laughs> it, and you come in, it's down 4%. It's like, oh, that's not good. Often enter trains for 0.1 or 0.2. This is the equivalent of, you know, the picking up the nickels and getting run over by the bulldozer. So it's going to be a rough day because I was long Uber. I've sold it already. I mean, this is, you know, when you, you got the losses, yep. you got the losses, right? So I don't sit on here and, you know, oh, I hope it's going to come back. No, I'm down a buck and a half. It wasn't. It wasn't in it for that reason. This is bad news, and um, you know, I could sit here. Maybe it does come back, but I don't stick You're around. Don't worry about I it. I get out. So I eat the buck. I eat the four percent and move on. Grind my way back and try to grind my let's way back in other trades. Let's take a look at Uber here and Lyft. I mean, I, I, you know, not to throw salt in the room. Dennis had had a nice, nice little run last week. It did. It run. did. Yeah. It did run into 30 trouble, as you mentioned, at 30.13. It kind of opened near the high of the session. <sighs> Maybe you find some buy the dippers here in this one. It's Maybe. Off, it's already off the low. Um, you did hit 27.56. Uh, that's your pre-market low. So you're a buck above. I've sold right in here. Like I sold just, just literally like – a few minutes, like in the 2020 to 2040. It's been in here for a while. It's been here for a couple hours. It's 2820 to 2040. Not bad. So, yep. Yep. Uh, it sucks. I didn't sell low, probably because I was sleeping, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, good thing you slept in. Yeah, good thing I slept in. Anyway, it still sucks. I mean, this is, you know, such a, and this is the situation, you know, it's a good, you know, example. You know, every trader is going to have losing trades. 
you know, and especially when you hold overnight, you're going to have news that is good for you, news that is bad for you. Random news sometimes hit, and you're saying this wasn't random. I didn't know what the vote, so I wish I would have known. But, um, you know, we didn't know it was going to be good or bad, or the market wouldn't be down 4% on it right now. But you've got to take your losses when you're, you know, you get something moving against you. You can't sit on there and say, well, I can't sell now, you know, because I'm down a dollar and a half. I got to hope that it comes back. I mean, that's how you end up turning a little loser into a big loser. So you got to eat your losses when you do and, you know, be disciplined. I always eat my losses. My trading portfolio, my day trading portfolio is typically, you know, I typically get a flat and then I continue to build it on. But usually, like I said, you know, if you follow my trading, I like to trade after the close. I like to trade, you know, the, the events. Sometimes I have some swings on, but, you know, which might stay on later. But for the most part, you know, I trade overnight, I trade the pre-market, I trade the open. For the most part, I usually try to get out of most of my day trading positions by 10 a.m. the next day. And then I start to rebuild them around three o'clock. And going from there, for whatever reason, maybe there's run-up event, maybe there's, you know, there's all the different strategies we've talked about all the time. Point is, when you got a loser, can't sit on it hoping it comes back, you just got to eat it. All right, 8 to 35, so let's bring on our guest today. As we just mentioned, he is Sean Emery. He's the founder and CIO of Avery & Company. He has a pretty good fundamental of you on the market. Sean, good morning. Let's see if you can hear me, Sean. I see him. Well, I see his name. Right. We see he's here with us, but I don't know if he can hear He's on mute. Did you unmute him? Yep. Sean, we're looking forward to it. Here we go, Sean. Good morning. Uh, I think I was the, the one on mute. <laughs> How's it going? You like that. Joel does that once a week. Oh, I, so. do it. I do it every day. Of course. Joel used to do it every day. He's down to once a week. Right, right. He used to do it a lot more. Uh, how's it going this morning, Sean? It's going well. It's going you? well. Happy uh, Monday to everybody. Yeah. yeah, it's actually a synthetic Tuesday here uh, with the way with the short week. But uh, you, <laughs> only sure call that. <laughs> you were you were doing some traveling last week. Uh, I was. What, what were you doing? Vacation or business? No, unfortunately not. It was uh, it was all business. So I was traveling a couple different cities and meeting with investors. And um, I think the, the the conclusion is everyone is nervous, and uh, no matter what, um, so. So That's good, though, no, isn't it? Isn't that good that people are? Because if, if if everyone was fat and happy, then you'd maybe be looking for a turnaround. But explain that. I mean, these are long-term investors, right, that are are in for the long haul here. If they're nervous, then why don't they just get out or buy puts or sell calls or doing something like that? Why complain about it? No, for sure. I mean, look, we, we, we make sure that we, we partner with the right people with the right mindset. Um, so that that's that's clear. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's less about the market nervousness. It's more about the economy nervousness because that's what you read in the paper every day. Um, and again, it's, it's, just, it's just giving our viewpoint on the, on the material. Um, and again, that subsides everyone because we're doing it every day. Most of our investors are not. Um, so when you hear things like recession, I, I understand why someone's nervous. Um, and it, it's essentially our job to give them the facts, you know. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's start with uh, one you were sticking with when you were on the show last time here. Square SQ. You uh, I, I, there's a stock that I hear the most bullish stuff about on this show, whether it's from Spencer. Spencer, do you own it? I mean, I own it in you like, better. You better. I, I own it in like a fund. I don't own the it. Fund. Like, oh, and, and Spencer is. I own it direct. I don't own it directly. <laughs> but uh, Jer do. Jeremy Newsom. Right, it was bullish, but uh, talk about the setup here. It's kind of been—I mean, it's coming out of here off earnings. It's been, you know, up and down, up and down. But it looks like you—you you finally cleared sixty-five. That kind of had been a pesky area. Talk us, talk to us about the last earnings report and what price action you're looking at. 
Yeah, there's definitely the company and then there's the stock. Um, the, I mean, this is the first time, honestly, in a long time that going into earnings, the stock has uh, underperformed going into it. And, and again, we're seeing kind of that opposite effect. Square had actually has the, the, the uh, on occasion when it was going up considerably uh, post earnings, it would, it would um, trade down uh, on positive news. But when you go on the operations of this company, again, it's, it's growing plus 40% year over year on the top line. They held their, their margin in line uh, for next year. Essentially, they gave us a, an early read into kind of revenue and, and, and margins for uh, the next fiscal year. And again, all that is constructive. I mean, the, the key takeaway is that they're reinvesting into growth. When you are growing 46, 40% uh, year over year, and you have two different components of your business, um, the consumer side, essentially cash app, uh, which is growing over 100% year over year, and they're turning on that monetization mechanism. And then you have the other side again, which is their core square business, which is measured by gross purchase volume going through that system. I mean, that's growing considerably at 25% year over year. So this, is, this remains a growth story. Uh, margins, as we, we saw last quarter, they can flex, but they're de deciding not to flex their margin. And it, again, if you're, if you're an investor for the long term, I think you want your company to grow into what is a unique story of a two-sided market uh, with Cash App and then, and then their core business. So I think it's a healthy, healthy operational story here on the technicals. Obviously, uh, we've had kind of this trend down from the 101s to the 83s back in July and and I think ultimately this thing will resolve higher. It's just a matter of when um, that, that, that happens. What are your thoughts here? And I've given this argument before. I'm a kind of a value guy. So this isn't the typical stock that I come in. But I look at this and I see analyst estimates going out a couple of years. And I see some buck 52 bucks. And I think, you know, well, you know what? It's, this is one that actually is going to make, be making money here eventually. It's not like this cash burn situation with some of these growth stories. And this is something that actually could grow into this valuation. It is, it is pricey. I mean, if you're just a pure value guy, you look at something, you know, trading as, as with the P of what it is. But, I mean, this is something that, you know, could grow into this valuation. What are your thoughts there? Like, just from, you know, a, a value perspective. Yeah, look, look, it's definitely not a value. I mean, it's value, not a value stocks, stock. Yeah, value stocks historically don't grow over 40 plus percent anyways. Um, but it's not but, expensive, really, like for... It's not, you know, in some of these cases, we're looking at, you know, these companies are just burning cash left and right. They don't even think about the bottom line. There's potential for a bottom line here, correct? Yeah, no, they're, look, they're gap positive. Um, there's going to be this transition mechanism, which we see historically with a lot of companies where they go from stock-based comp to then buying back shares, right? When, when you actually are gap cash flow positive, um, you begin to buy back those shares and all the dilution that you did in the past, um, actually, you're taking it back. We, we saw, I... I put out a chart on Microsoft where you have this ramp up in stock-based comp and then over years, they, they just become net buyers of their shares and, and kind of net net, they actually have less share counts uh, and less dilution than somebody would have said. But again, you have to believe the fundamental story long-term that their core payments business is going to continue to take share um, and hold that, that business. We think it's a very, very sticky business, uh, specifically those customers that are using all the components of the business uh, their subscription and, and service um, products. So things like payroll and, and um, their appointments business, uh, their financing business. So anyone that's in that ecosystem, we think is very, very sticky uh, for the most part. They're winning deals in arenas. So they were the, they were the payment provider um, at the, the nationals, uh, Washington nationals for baseball. 
Um, so big year for them. Um, and they, they just locked in the Golden State Warriors. So this is no longer a coffee story. Um, this is much bigger than that. Uh, and we think that's the core business and that's extremely healthy. And then again, the, the cash app business. I mean, we saw today, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, there's a lot going on in, in kind of the brokerage business. Um, and we think the, the, the story today with that, with that transaction is, is more defensive than offensive. Um, and it's literally the Robin Hoods and the, the square caches of the world that we think are putting that, that pressure to consolidate, um, offer free trade so they can meet the, the, the kind of that um, lure to Cash App and also Robinhood, specifically Robinhood, because they were the, the pioneers really to, to make it popular. Um, and, and again, so when we, when we look back and we, and we look at this story, we think it's extremely healthy. And again, it's not a value play by most metrics, but you can see a line of sight where this thing could get cheap if this stock doesn't move higher. Uh, we're on the line with Sean Henry, Emery, founder and CIO of Avery and Company. Uh, two questions here. Uh, first, you're Sean Emery, but the name of your comp company is Avery. Yeah, we wanted a word that meant nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we wanted a word that meant nothing that could stand for itself. The word Avery, um, specifically, I mean, you look up words that it, or meanings, it doesn't really have a meaning. Um, but it does have kind of these unique meanings of independence, and uh, uh, and, and that's what we are. We're an independent research firm, and um, I like that. Manage assets. I and, do too. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. I've never heard that before. We wanted a word that meant nothing. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question, uh, a little bit more difficult for you. Uh, what would you say to investors that say uh, Jack Dorsey has too much on his plate? He can't, you know, Square and Twitter. He's got to dump one of them and, you know, just to give the company a fair shot. What, what, what would you say to that, to that comment? Well, well, I'd say Bezos has even more of a, a issue with all the businesses he's running, but um, look, Jack Dorsey has done a, a good job. I mean, I think the Twitter business one is, is extremely difficult to, to expand upon. I think they've tried a lot of things and they haven't gotten traction Buy within it, different ad models, TV, um, you just have to ask yourself, is this product simply mature? And, and you, it's hard to, to have a core product and build around it uh, and get any sort of user adoption. Um, I mean, he, he, they've tinkered a little bit, right? 140 to 280 um, and expanding that model. But again, I think he's done a, a good job. Square's, again, growing wonderfully while the Twitter business has shown that they can monetize that business and, and rein in costs um, and show some profitability. So I think he's done a fine job. When you look at him and you look at these companies, specifically Square, because that's the one I know best, is he lets his managers run the business. I mean, Amrita, the CFO, has a good grip on that business, and she's fairly new. Um, prior to that, uh, you had Sarah Fryer, and she was clearly uh, running a lot of those operations and ideas. Um, again, so I think he takes a step back, and he's a visionary. Um, while he lets the managers and executives essentially run that business uh, for him. And, and again, he's a brilliant mind. He's done a lot in his life to, to provide value from just uh, being that visionary. And, and that's ultimately what Jack Dorsey is, I believe, today. I mean, it, when you follow him on Twitter, he's traveling, I think, every day. Uh, I think he's in Nigeria or something right now. But, um, but yeah, that, I think that's how you have to look at Jack Dorsey as a uh, almost like a, a chairman of the board uh, um, see, uh, what, just before I leave Jack Dorsey, I just want to. What's your thoughts on Twitter? 
You know, so I think they're in a tough, tough spot. I think it goes back to what I was just saying before. And I mean, tough spot just from uh, people hoping that they can expand this model out to something much different. Uh, I think they've capped out or tapped out their ability to expand this model. Uh, they acquired Periscope. That was a flop. Um, and everything they've, they've tried to do, I think they, they're hitting the right tone from, from a live standpoint, trying to be the kind of that live um, uh, tool. Um, I've talked to some people where, 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 what's the next level of monetization? Is it um, a form of, uh, of paid in, right, with no ads? Uh, and you get that, that type of model, the premium Twitter. I don't know if that would work. Uh, I asked myself internally, would I pay for a, a Twitter business? But again, that's as far as I, I go before that, that business is kind of the ultimate maturity. Um, so again, I, I don't love Twitter. I've never loved Twitter as, a, as an investment nor as a, as a business because I think people are hoping that this thing can expand much broader than um, the opportunity that they've already tapped. Um, so that's really it. I think it's a monetization story. Can, you can, I think everyone can see that they're putting more and more ads into the ad feed or into the Twitter feed uh, recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's a miss or it's simply a, a miss from last quarter. Um, and, and they're trying to recoup some of that to hit their, their year end number, or is it something, uh, more material where you, you throw more ads and then you convert that into a premium model because people don't want to see that many ads and you kind of naturally force them to, uh, to want a, a, a ad free feed. I don't know. Um, but I, I think the the overall growth story there is, is fairly, fairly tapped other than raising ad prices and cost per clicks and things like that. Uh, Sean, any other stocks before I let you go here, any other stocks on your radar for the rest of the year? Well, again, I, I think today we, we saw Tiffany, right? Get acquired um, yep. and, and finalize that. And, and, and I, th I think there's something, and I, I talked about it last time in Capri that th there's this huge negativity towards retail. And, and if you ask anyone what, what's their favorite stocks in retail, you get, you, you essentially get target Walmart um, and maybe Lululemon um and for for me it's actually just stepping back and saying okay what's actually succeeding here um and what will succeed over the next three four five seven ten years in a sense and it, it ultimately comes down to legacy type brands and we saw that in tiffany um today with that acquisition uh legacy type brands high margin businesses things that actually have a, a brand to to sustain that margin um, Tiffany has 60% gross margins. Uh, Capri also has 60% gross margins. A lot of the negativities around these, these companies that are carrying 35, 40, 42% gross margins, your gaps of the world, um, your fast fashions like Forever 21. So I think there's a big separation, not only from online to brick and mortar, that people are, are that's kind of the main story is, oh, if you're not online, then, then you're dead. Um, but I think it's deeper than that. And it's actually brands that, that you, you have to make a decision, can this brand sustain? And, and Capri underneath it has Jimmy Choo, Versace, and Michael Kors. These are 30, 40 year old brands carrying uh, gross margins of 60% plus, uh, operating margins at scale that can be 20% plus. I mean, go out and look at a software company and, 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 and those software companies have 60, 65, 70% gross margins. So here, here you have a legacy type of retailer with software-like margins high cash flow. Um, and again, you have to make that distinction, but, but the valuations here specifically for, for this company uh, is very cheap. And I think Tiffany, that acquisition today at 30 times or 28 times cash flow is evident that um, people will pay up for, a, um, for, for something that can sustain itself 
from its brand identity and the legacy of its brand um, and then carry those margins again. So I think it's, it, there's an important thing to consider here uh, when thinking about only brick and mortar and online, it's much deeper than that. You have to kind of segment the, the market even further. Um, so that, that's ultimately my take on, on, on this company and a couple others within the space. All right, Sean Emery is the founder and CIO of Avery and Company, joins us periodically to give us a few stocks on his radar. Sean, thanks for the time and uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Same. Enjoy your week, guys. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Eight, Sean. 8.51 here now. Anything uh, just, out there? Uh, did not take out that pre-market low at 16.50, uh, trading up three handles from there, eight on the day at 19 and a half. All-time closing high was uh, 21.75. That was from last week. So clear that, folks. All-time high is up there at 31.32.50. Uh, Tesla's holding in there. Um, still holding a majority of its gains, up 11. Big volume, 546,000. Yeah, that is big, big volume. volume. Mm-hmm. That is big volume. Uh, so we'll see. Let's see. The pre-market high is 349.77. I'm looking at this. The technical setup is like, okay, this is good. They're going to sell a zillion of those trucks, and this is going back to new all-time high. Well, that's what the people are buying it. But that's what saying I'm saying. Right now. I'm but saying, I don't see that. Yeah. You're gonna then you're gonna you're gonna fill that gap from Friday. You're gonna go to 354, right? That's still almost nine bucks from here. You're gonna post a new closing high for. He's the, saying a scenario too. He's not I'm, saying I'm we're saying going scenario. to do this. He's no, painting no, a scenario. I, believe me, I, that's what I'm saying. If this is yeah. If, if you're buying is, it here. Yep. Yep. You're looking to fill that gap and. Boom, take out, and there is a triple top there called 360, Dennis. I know in this decimal world, 5999, wow. 6120, and 6084. Show me it can get through there, and I'll be a, a Tesla bull. I think if you're buying it here, you're on the wrong side of the trade. Depending I, I, on your time horizon, I see room up to 354, 360, but I think this rally is, I think this rally you, is more of a, to be sold. on Friday? You know, in this thing, a day trader, but buying the, the, a lot of people got smoked. A lot of people were probably into the thing saying this truck's going to be awesome, and it wasn't awesome. That was the bottom line. I mean, you can say it was broken windows down 20 points because of broken windows, but I don't believe that. Again, I'm going to say it's down 20 points because the truck was ugly. And there's people who are probably maybe backing off on thoughts of buying it, like me. I think I'm a typical consumer. I was thinking, you know, I was, I was going to potentially think about buying this, saw it, and I was like, no, thank you. So I think this rally, and obviously it's a hope rally, that, hey, you know, the orders are pretty good. The people actually like the truck. Well, like you were saying, I put 100 bucks down. I don't have to commit. I can get it back. I mean, it doesn't mean this is, the, and, you know, really, you know, what's the order is going to be coming? Like maybe those people who are going to buy it no matter what. Are other people just coming in? Is everybody going to talk about this, saying this is the truck I want to buy? I don't think so. I think it's too ugly. So I'm very concerned, and that's why I think I'd be a seller of this rally. Um, XPO uh, trading in the red here considerably thirteen twenty nine. What's the headline here? Huh, that's a good question. No, this is bad tick, bad tick, bad tick, bad tick, bad tick, bad tick. yeah, bad I, tickitis. There's nothing even offered down, and it's bit back up. I think this is somebody an off exchange trade trade at seventy dollars and one cent, and uh, that was just an off exchange trade. I don't think it's gonna be down twelve. I don't think it's, this is gonna come right. This yeah. isn't this isn't down this right now. We had somebody news. sold. We had news just as we started talking with Sean on eBay. eBay, eBay so XPO, don't worry about that. I, I, I think that's just a bad ticket. It's not going to open down that much. eBay nearing a deal to sell StubHub for four, around $4 billion. Here. Well, we talked about this, and this was yes. the wild card with eBay. Yes. And we talked about StubHub. 
and you know the potential spinoff for this and you know that's why i kind of like the stock then they had earnings obviously it's disappointing i have no position in it um but you knew this was kind of the wild card so i honestly wish i would have been buying here at 34 35 because with the stub hub there's some value here this is a value stock now it's not a growth story and maybe they're spinning off their one good growth story although like you were saying you can buy that, tickets anywhere take. now yeah yeah so hard to get on board and get all excited i mean we knew this was coming but this was the the catalyst that maybe you sell into um because you knew this was probably coming interesting area here you had the high on the earnings day of 36.65 sold off hard off that level you got the 37 today so you're getting into this whole gap area got a gap to fill up to 38.36 but if i'm buying this thing really near the open and above 37 then i want to see 37 30 37 40 37 50 i don't want to see this thing back under 37 and offered below that 38 36 high so you're gapping into a gap area just make sure it just keeps on going if you're buying this one off the hop and i'll tell you they made a lot of money off me off StubHub, so i don't know if that's a great business to sell but uh we'll see what happens the street likes it right now I got to tell you, this is, you know, the analysts have come out of their slumber here today and oh, they are coming out so with many. their upgrades and downgrade shoes on. There's some big names, big ratings. We only have four minutes. Let's try to cover sure. three or four oh, big yeah. ones. There's some well, huge, huge calls here. I, this morning. Well, I, I don't know who you think is the biggest. I could just run down the list here. But... I want to say it's Netflix. Okay. See, I'd say NVIDIA. See, NVIDIA is big too. That's my point. Okay. It, so it's Netflix versus NVIDIA for who's the most important rating here today. Wait, so the NVIDIA one, so wait, the Netflix I may have missed. NVIDIA upgraded Morgan Stanley to overweight this morning. Uh, Morgan Stanley giving NVIDIA a $259 price target. Uh, is that the most, when's the last NVIDIA upgrade we had? I feel like it was not. been a while. Um, let me go by date here in pro. Uh, well, we had a one a few weeks ago from Craig Hallam. They're not super influential. Last big upgrade to NVIDIA was back. Yeah, it's been, you're right. It, it's been a while because everyone is already at buy. So yeah, it's been in consolidation station here for the better part of a month. I mean, we had the earnings report and they bought it right back too. It's telling you there's just underneath demand for this stock. I think this stock makes new all-time highs next year. I'm still long it in the long-term portfolio. It's had a nice run. I'm in from, I don't remember, 140-ish or something or 150. Obviously, you know, it was in the gutter there for a while and I decided to pull the trigger when it was only like, when it was getting down like the 150, it was only trading like 28 times earnings. It wasn't like crazy. So obviously, you know, that multiple's expanded now because the stock's out of run. But I think this could, you know, you think AMD, how much it's running here. I still think NVIDIA is best of breed. And so, then my, my point was there were so many ratings that I actually, I missed Netflix. I missed the downgrade at Wells Fargo. Yeah, so let's go. So I, I like I like the NVIDIA call. I'm still okay. on it. So well, uh, Wells Fargo downgrading Netflix this morning to underperform Lowering their price target from 308 to 265. You know what? Is there other news here on Netflix? Is there anything else that's helping it? Because I'm shocked this is only down two points on this. Uh, no, not that I saw. It's only down two bucks. It gets downgraded by Wells to sell and it falls two bucks. <laughs> wow. And underperform, they call it. But I'm shocked it's not down like five or six. So I don't know. That's uh, it's resilient. I guess that's a good resilience there. But when you have a big major like that downgrading it to sell, I would think that would knock two or three percent off the price. So very impressive. I mean, the market is helping it obviously because the market is trading higher. But 
impressive, impressive resilience here for Netflix to not be down more. So I'd be cautious with this. Wow. I, I, again, obviously, I've been bearish to start the name for a long time. So, and I still think the path of these resistance is going to be lower here eventually, but it's caught an upswing. It's the story got a little bit hot here again. I still think the competition's coming. I'm not playing nosebleed multiple for something that's going to be very competitive. All right, get your pen and pencils out here for one hell of a level here in Netflix. Yeah, okay, give it to me. 304. <clears throat> that's what's got a hold, 304. Yep. Double bottom from the last two days. And guess what the pre-market low is? 304. Uh, pre-market low, 304.38. Right there. They're all coinciding. 304.26, 304.41, the pre-market low, 304.38. That's a level. I mean, you know, does it bounce there again? Maybe. I mean, if you're short it, maybe that's where you cover it in if it gets down to the 304 level again. It takes out if 304, it it's it a slippery slope. Yeah, if it doesn't on this downgrade to sell, then I'd look out I'd look out north. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, like huge day for it. Just as big of a day for Tesla, this is a huge day for Netflix. It's got downgrade to sell. Does this stock turn around and hold up or potentially go green? I mean, it does that. The thing could be 320 or 330. So it's a huge day for it. I, from a day trading perspective, that's my you know, talk. I still don't like it long term. And for you NVIDIA traders, I, I, I see you traded up in the pre-market. I didn't go back enough on my data. But um, on earnings day, you had a spike to like 218, 218 and a half. And you're not getting there right now. So if this is just going to keep running all day, actually someone's out there at 217. It's not, you know, they're not crushing it. The pre-market high is 217.50. But there's so, as of right now, there's someone willing to sell some stock between 217 even, 217 and a half. And if you go back, I think that pre-market high, on the day earnings was like 218.50. So got a little seller out there. We'll see if they could take them out, get into the, uh, get out, get into that 220 handle. I mean, think about this though. And it's up 3%. I mean, if you're coming in and buying it now, like yeah, it's up six bucks. I mean, it's not like, I don't think it's going up five, 6% on the upgrade. It's kind of all priced in. So uh, like longer term, I still like it. And I like the call. And I think, you know, they could see 250, 260, so I agree with them. But it doesn't mean it's going there today. Um, so I would be a buyer of pullbacks on NVIDIA as opposed to chasing it up five and a half bucks. All right, let me run through just the ratings. I'll just list them off as many as I can. Uh, Snap upgraded this morning at Loop Capital to buy. A different analyst at Loop is downgrading American Eagle to hold. We've got upgrades. Uh, Hasbro upgraded to buy UBS. Dick's Sporting Goods, this one's interesting. Upgrade at Bank America to buy. They have earnings this week. Wingstop, upgrading, uh, upgrade at Baird Holy. to outperform. Thank you very much for that, Baird. Um, Wendy's, upgrade to buy at Stiefel. JD.com, wow. upgrade to uh, Overweight at uh, where is Barclays. That? Barclays. Thank you. On to the downgrades. I mentioned the American Eagle downgrade at Loop Capital. We've got a... Actually, it's kind of it. Uh, yeah, there's not that much on the downgrade yeah. front. A lot of upgrades, though. A lot, a lot of, of retail names in there. Yeah, Lulu initiated. Deckers, Dex. Yeah, we've got Lulu initiated outperform at Barclays as well. Canada Goose, same story, initiated outperform at Barclays. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's it. Those are, are we going to talk about uh, Bitcoin? Did you mention Zscaler? Oh, I did not. They're, they're, up, they're upgraded Bank of America. To this buy. one could run. Okay, look out for this one because ZS has been, and ZS, as we say in Canada, has been sleepy here for a while. Now you get some analyst commentary, upgrade. I think there's room to 50 on this one. Uh, oh, no, no position. 
And we'll we'll talk Bitcoin uh, Thursday price action uh, tomorrow. Yeah, we do tomorrow. Tomorrow Wednesday. Tomorrow Wednesday. Yep. What's it All doing? Right. We got a minute. What's it doing right now? It hit hit sixty five hundred overnight. It's back over seven thousand. So it's five six hundred bucks off the. What was Mark's uh, target that he was back? Yeah, I just asked Spencer at. that in the pre pre market show, and I what thought, did he say like sixty two hundred or something? Yeah, I think he said back the truck up at sixty two hundred. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sounds right. The mark oh. is the mark is smart. Like I don't know about the the you know obviously he's been wrong on Tesla. The guy is knowledgeable with a lot of things. That guy knows some stuff. Like uh, of the guests, think about everybody that we have on. Mark Yusko is pretty solid. Um, he's like one of the of the, of the big names, like of the, you know the, the big money managers out there. He's like one of the only big money managers that really is like a believer in Bitcoin. Like and, and there's other ones out there. I mean, but I think you know about like how Peter Schiff, you know, just trashes Bitcoin all the time. You know, we've trashed it before on this show as well. Um, there's a lot of skeptical people. He's a full believer of Bitcoin. So, you know, he's maybe one that's got me thinking about it still. Uh, but I'm, you know, I have no position and I still, you know, I think there's a value. I think there's something there. Just don't I just know, don't know what it's worth. I don't know how to value it. I've never known how to value it. There's nothing to value. Right. You know, you look at it, it's just numbers. I mean, it's, there's nothing, there's no, there's nothing to value. So it's hard for me to say it's worth a hundred thousand. It's hard for me to say it's worth 6,200. I don't know. Like if it's, I think it's worth something. I just don't know how you go about valuing it. All right. I want to thank our guest today, Sean Emery. Thanks to all of you in our chats. If you missed any part of our show or you want to hear us again, catch our podcast or rewatch us on youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.